you know, I always knew I'd be somewhere in the entertainment space. Um, and, you know, found that perfect intersection between creative and business um, in the marketing world, you know, because as a leader, I have to create a great environment and then kind of get out of the way and let them do their thing. So I think it's it's less about the pitch and it's more about the intersection of shared values and uncovering those um, that sweet spot. So to me, that's the number one thing strategically. Yeah. that you need to do is define that and then share it and stand for it and prove it every single day. And then you'll see the revenue exponentially grow. And we've done this over and over again with various companies, you know, is losing great? No, but learning is awesome, right? So if we look at it as a learning moment, then it makes us better. Hey guys, and welcome back to the I Love Success podcast. It's a new year, uh, new opportunities, but I said this the last week, nothing has really changed unless you make changes. We're also excited about a new year and all the amazing changes we're going to do and make in our lives, and especially right now, when we're in a pandemic, we're so excited for this to be gone and and uh, you know move forward with our lives. But I hate to be dramatic here, but nothing has really changed. You have to change. You have to uh, make the steps and do the steps that's gonna take you to the life you want. Uh, we can't always change what's outside of us, but we can change ourselves on the inside. And I think a lot of people had a lot of time to think, but I also think now it's time to act. I Love Success Podcast, my mission is to help at least 10 million people in 10 years to go after their dreams, to create something good, something to be proud of and, and leave this world in a little better place than we found it. And I'm honored to have you here as a listener. If you're listening, watching this, I'm super honored that you're taking off your valuable time to, to be here with us today and to listen to um, the amazing guest that we are going to present here in a minute. Before I do that, just know you're already worthy. You don't have to change if you don't want to. You're already okay. But if you want something better, if you want to create something that you're really proud of. And I'm talking to you, not your mom, dad, friends, family, something that you are proud of. Then this, if this forum here is a safe space for you to you know, go after that and get inspiration from other people. Please reach out to me. Let me know what you're struggling with, what you're fighting for and how we can help. It's very easy to find me. You just need to learn how to spell my name. Peter Jumrukovsky, uh, Google will probably help you. You can also email me at info at ilsuccess.com. And before I forget, if you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with somebody else. I can't reach 10 million people myself. I need you to be on board and, and share this with other people that also love this message and, and want to evolve in their life. Without further ado, I, I have a real woman of influence here today, and she's a marketing wizard. I, I mean, if I would start with all the companies she has worked for, it would be crazy. So I'm just going to mention 
McDonald's, TJ Maxx, and a whole bunch of others. And she'll, she'll tell us, but this woman, she knows exactly what she's talking about. And I can already see that she's blushing a little bit. So she's probably humble as well. We'll see today. Let's welcome Barbara Yoles to the I Love Success podcast. Well, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really honored to be here. And um, I, I love your opening because I think uh, there's nothing better than getting better every day. So I, I think that's what you said to open this up is really inspiring. Thank you. And so let's get raw before we start honoring your journey. What do you want to say to people out there that are, they're kind of fed up with their life, with the world, with politics, with everything, but they're not making their changes. They're still in their pajamas watching Netflix, uh, which I, I do myself sometimes, but we want to end this pity party right now. So what do you want to tell them? Like, What can they do to kind of get started on, on changing themselves? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, um, professionally, you know, I, I've, I've been, I've been very fortunate to work with so many different types of people. Um, I'm also the mom of eight. Um, so I have four boys of my own and four stepsons. And, um, you know, I, I always profess that there's certain things in the world um, that are out of your control, and, but you can control your own destiny, right? And so I think it's when you make a decision that, you know, I'm going to put the effort in or I'm going to make the change or I'm going to make some sort of commitment that make those commitments um, attainable and achievable. Um, and that's how change happens. So um, I, I kind of focus on what, what am I driving toward and what does it take for me to get there? And, and that's what I would challenge people to do is don't, don't let the world around you hold you up take control of it and make it happen yourself. And mother of eight, that's badass. And you also <laughs> have a career. Uh, how, how does that work? Like, how, how do you, how do you find time for everything? I think it's my, my first question and probably what everybody's wondering. Well, you, you know, we always had a saying, you know, if you have something to get done, give it to the person who has the most on their plate because they'll get it done. Um, so, um, you know, we, we call it GSD at Ludwig plus get shit done. Yeah. Um, and if you can get it done in the next five to 10 minutes, get it done. There's no reason to wait. And so I've always just found, you know, the, the more I had to tackle, the more I was able to do. And that for me was inspiring. So managing my family and my kids and, you know, cooking and, you know, being at their events and being present and being present at work. And I think there's there's room for everything. So yeah, got to have it all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's difference between overwhelmed and living a full life, right? Uh, how, how do you balance that? Because I, sometimes I feel like I'm overwhelmed and sometimes I feel like I, I live a full life and that kind of varies depending on how, uh, basically how I start my day, which, which is why I wake up early to start it positively. But it, like, how do you work on that? Um, well, I start my days early as well. Um, but I, you know, I approach it where, you know, it's nothing is as bad as you think, right? Take one thing at a time, and really focus um, and, and tackle it, and then you get to the next thing. And so it, it kind of uh, diffuses the um, tsunami that you might be staring at, and then you can tackle it all. Yeah. Oh. So 
let's talk about you as a little girl. What were you dreaming of and, and, and how the heck did you end up in marketing? Well, I, um, you know, my growing up, I thought I would have, I do something in the entertainment world. I was always fascinated with that. And I got a degree in film and then, um, I found myself, um, you know, intrigued with the business side of the equation. And so, um, I entered into the advertising world pretty young. Um, but you know, I always knew I'd be somewhere in the entertainment space, um, and you know, found that perfect intersection between creative and business um, in the marketing world. So, how, how what was your first job? My first job. Um, <laughs> well, as I'm the youngest of six, so I come from a really big family, and um, everybody. This is kind of funny. Everybody in my family, except for myself, is from West Virginia. Um, and I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area. So when I was young, my parents would pile us in a car back to West Virginia. And um, my cousins and I would um, go to the local minor league ballpark because our aunt worked there. And to keep us busy, she would have us walking up and down the stands selling Coke and popcorn. Wow. So that was, I would say that's my first job. How was that experience? Did you enjoy it or what did it teach you? Uh, well, I, I liked um, I liked that I could make some money, <laughs> you know, at 10 years old and then, you know, go up to the corner store and buy candy. And I love candy. I still do. Um, you know, but I learned a work ethic and I learned how to be around people and a sense of responsibility. So I, I actually think asking somebody their first job is an important interview question. Yeah. Because I think it's it's a signal of somebody's work ethic and their first point of reference, right? You always kind of view life in your first point of reference. Yeah. And uh, speaking about work ethic, what is important for people out there that are trying to grow their careers, grow their life? Like, what are the things that are important that you see and have seen that you admire with other people and traits that you also embody? You know, it, I, you know, having had a lot of interesting experiences throughout my career um, and some very defining ones that I think um, collectively um, add up to how I would advise people is I think it's really important to begin with understanding your own strengths um, and, you know, what your own potential is, and then you, you can maximize, you know, whatever path you choose to be on when you really understand your own strengths. We actually apply that here um, at our company and, and are very kind of intentional about helping people realize who they are, what, what their strengths are, where there's opportunities so that they can kind of find their edge. And I would say to anybody that I speak to in their career is understand what your strengths are and then lean into them. And the ones where you know maybe you're not as strong um, look for ways to build those out so that you, when you do that, um, you know, you can be more creative if the creative angles where you are, or, um, you know, more innovative if you're in technology, right? Whatever path you choose, um, make sure that you understand who you are and you put yourself in an environment where that, where you can thrive, right? Because not every, every company is right for you. And I think that's the most important thing is understanding who you are and what environment you're entering into. 
No, I agree. And, and I'm curious, how has being a, a mother of a whole, almost a whole soccer team uh, helped you in your career? What are the traits that you have learned as a mother that have helped you uh, excel in your job? You know, um, aside from the fact that I can throw a football really, really well <laughs> and shoot hoops with the best of them yeah. <laughs> and recall stats, um, I would say, um, you know, bringing, bringing people together, um, helping people connect up with the right individuals um, and, and um, being able to maximize um, the, you know, your environment around you, right? When you've got, and I've got kids at all ages, right? I have my youngest right now is 14 and, um, and they go up into twenties and my stepkids are in their thirties. Um, everybody's at a different stage of life, but they're all tight and connected in some manner. And so I think where I've brought that into my work life, um, is really looking at how do you, um, unleash somebody's potential um, and help them connect with others who might have a different point of view or a different way of working or, um, you know, kind of bringing these diverse minds together and creating this collective genius, right? And I think um, whether it's, you know, parenting with kids and, you know, having that many kids, they're all so different. It's incredible, right? There's a lot of similarities, but they're all so different. Um, and then overseeing large teams at companies I've worked for or my own company where all these brilliant people coming together and you're trying to, you know, uh, help them find strength within one another and teaching them how to work together as a team to maximize their, um, you know, the project that they're working on or the client that they're working on. And so it is about kind of inspiring others to achieve their own greatness. And I think parents do that with their kids. And, um, and I try to apply that same methodology in the workplace, you know, because as a leader, I have to create a great environment and then kind of get out of the way and let them do their thing. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's so interesting how we show up in the world and how we're different and we we're talking about your kids. It, it's so interesting when you see a family and they're all so different in a beautiful way, but you can also see the similarities. And I think that's also what we're looking for in great, you know, corporations and teams. You want the values to be similar in some sense, but you also want different opinions and different, different ideas to come to fruition. And it, it's so beautiful to see when that comes together. And one thing that I, I'm, I'm so curious about, Barbara, is that you were talking about those defining moments. So, so what has been mm -hmm. like the, the most defining moment for you in your life? You know, I, I mean, I think, well, there's many, right? Professionally, I would say there, I, I was fortunate enough to be in situations where those um, lessons I've been able to apply to create an environment um, that I think um, not only celebrates the talents of the people that um, work at Ludwig Plus, but also kind of unearth and unleash the potential of the clients that we work with. Um, one of those was um, working for McDonald's Corporation. So I was uh, the head of marketing for the East Division of McDonald's, and I was part of the team who launched the dollar menu. Um, 
But that whole experience was amazing because I re- I'll never forget. I went on the road with our regional vice president and um, she said, we're going to ride stores. And I, I literally was like, what does ride stores mean? I didn't even know what it meant. And I'm like, all right, we're going to ride stores. And we got into the store and she said to me, um, what do you see? And she, you know, she's looking, I'm looking around the restaurant going, okay, this is a trick question. What is she asking me? And so, you know, of course, I'm, I come from an advertising marketing background. So I'm looking for, you know, oh, there's, you know, an old promotion on the window or, you know, I'm thinking advertising marketing, right? And she's sales. And um, she said, there's, there's salt and dirt on that table. There's trash on the floor. Come on, let's go check the bathrooms. And we started cleaning up the restaurant. We got behind the counter. We were working the sandwich line, the cash register you know, making French fries. And that whole experience taught me that you really have to get inside a brand. You have to look at it from the inside out and understand um, what it feels like to be on the front line of a restaurant. Or um, when I worked in the mortgage industry, um, get on a phone call and understand what it means to help somebody navigate the loan process or on the back end of a loan when maybe somebody can't make their payment, right? And what's that customer service experience? And so that for me was a very defining way of working and way of thinking about um, business and marketing um, and people, right? I would say the other defining was, I, you know, I came up through the agency world on the um, account management and strategy end, but I always was the pitcher. Um, you know, so if you ever, uh, you know, you ever saw Mad Men, <laughs> you know, it was like, uh, you know, pitching at the highest level and, you know, it was win or lose. You'd spend millions of dollars on a pitch. Um, and Ad, Ad Week, I think it was, wrote an article about um, myself and other peers of mine at other agencies who were the head of new business as the worst job in advertising because you had a target on your back. And I would say it was one of the greatest jobs in advertising because it taught me that um, because we were, you know, it was about win or lose, right? You had to operate at the highest level of the game and have a sense of speed to market because it was six weeks, win or lose, right? So that that way of working around um, thinking big, ideating, and getting to ideas fast and in this world. Um, you, you know, th- that sense of speed to market was really important to me. Um, and then I would say the last defining moment was I left the agency world after 25 years and ended up at two different mortgage companies, both of which had incredibly strong culture, um, really strong values. And it was defining to me in this way. You'd think that you'd have strong culture in the agency world, right, where people are your greatest asset. Um, but it was a, you know, kind of big holding company, a little bit cutthroat, you know, um, everybody was mired in politics and not really thinking about, um, you know, what they were there to think about, which was big ideas and, you know, um, you know, how to, how to be, how to make our clients successful. And when I got to the mortgage world, it was these two companies where, I literally was just blown away at how much we celebrated people and nurtured them. And what I learned from that was, you know, kind of classic, right? Happy people make happy customers. 
And that became a really defining moment in the way I thought about business, building teams, and approaching clients from the inside out, right? So um, whether it's how we recruit people to um, come join our team, um, we will orient them around themselves as individuals before we orient them into the company and the clients or businesses that they're going to work on. When we approach our clients' businesses, we look at what are their core values? Who are their people? What's it like on the inside? Because that's where the magic happens. That's where we find these beautiful ideas that we can tell the world about and make people want to be a part of that, right? Kind of champion a cause and rally around something important. And so um, to me, those were really, really defining moments because if you look at any great brand or any company with a great culture, they're built from the inside out. No, you're right. And I think you could you could see that when you even walk into, you know, a store or a company and you can get the feeling that, you know, these people don't like being here or they they love being here and 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 it changes the whole perspective. And I don't think you you, you can even see when people are faking it, right? You you have to really embody that. It it doesn't matter if you're 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 saying a scripted line beautifully with a smile. If it's not embodied, it's it's not real. And and I think we we as human beings can feel that. I'm I'm curious about pitching. So there's everybody want, wants to be good at pitching, right? And it's probably one of the hardest things. And you as 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 a wizard and 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 a great pitcher, can you just share a little bit? What what are things that people should think of when they are actually pitching? Well, let me reframe that because I don't think it's just pitching, yeah. right? I think that the these these are lessons that you should think about when you're trying to articulate something in a persuasive manner or help somebody understand what you stand for. Yeah. Um, and I think it really starts with you know again it's what is your core value proposition? And if you're an individual or you're a company or your product or service, um, you have to understand, you know, what are the ingredients that are, that create your valuable proposition, right? And I, and I say valuable um, on purpose, right? Value is what you buy, divided by what you get. So I uh, buy a bottle of water, I pay a dollar, and that's a good value. But, you know, I want smart water. <laughs> and smart water has a different set of values that I buy into or Fiji or, or whatever um, brand that you buy into. So when it comes to the pitch, the pitch isn't really a pitch. It's about what are your values what are my values and where's the intersection of the two? And that's when you create valuable and people know who you are, what you stand for, what your cause is, prove it to me. And then I buy into it and buying into it could be, I want to work for you and buying into it could be, I want to buy your product or your service. So I think it's, it's less about the pitch and it's more about the intersection of shared values and uncovering those um, 
those um, that sweet spot. Yeah, I think what you're saying it's also about being authentic, right? And real. Super authentic and real. You know, especially I think it's heightened right now. I think authenticity is so so important, and you can't say you you can't say something. You have to be it. And I think to your point, um, you have to be real. You have to feel it the minute you walk into a store. Um, if I'm going to interact with a brand and they're, they say that they stand for happiness, I'll give you an example. We have a, uh, a, a they're now a client. I used to be the chief strategy officer of a company called TMS and their core values uh, are around People matter, rock solid service, um, strength of character, and their mission is grow happiness. Whether you're calling in to um, make a payment on your mortgage, or you know, I gave you the example, or maybe I'm having a hardship in my life, and their mission is grow happiness. That better be as a authentic an experience around helping make that person feel comfortable. And that was a, a good call, right? If they're calling in to make a bill payment, you can't fake that, right? And that has to be real and it has to be trained and you have to hire people in who buy into that culture. So authenticity is critical or you get called out on it, right? People are going to call you out on it and go online and say, you stand for this, but I experienced that. Um, so it, it does have to be real. And that's where I think um, that's where you have to unearth what really is going on in a company. And then marketing's more about uh, celebrating those real moments. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because I feel like the with the whole pandemic, we're getting more local. Being local is more important than ever but we're also becoming more global because we're, we rely on, you know, online shopping uh, deliveries and more and more becomes you interacting with a machine instead of a human being. So what's your take on that in, in the business environment? And also how does that affect us as, as human beings, as far as being happy and, and, and growing, you think? Um, there, there's, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. I think there's um, a different dynamic happening now because of the pandemic. Um, certainly different behaviors um, with various medias. Um, the way people are making purchases now have changed. Um, delivery of everything has changed. <laughs> Right. I don't even have to walk into a store. Everything can be brought to my house and it can be brought to my house at six o'clock in the morning if I want it to or on a Sunday afternoon. Um, so definitely the, the shopping behaviors have changed. Um, but I think that um, local, there's definitely a resurgence in local. I, I'm seeing um, people want to support their local communities. Um, you know, especially in cities where, you know, restaurants or local entrepreneurs are faced with challenges. And so people are trying to find ways to support that. We're seeing big brands do that. You know, big brands are trying to 
um, champion, um, you know, the little guy, so to speak. Um, and you see that a lot um, across the globe. So is it is it global or is it local? I'd say it's both, right? There are no boundaries. Um, the, the, the world comes together right in your home. And um, so you better be authentic because um, you're coming into somebody's house and you're, you're changing that dynamic. That whole shopping experience is right in their kitchen. I do. And uh, as far as marketing, there's a lot of people listening to this show that are, you know, trying to build their own brand or are in a good way building their brand, but they want to grow. They want to help more people. Uh, what are like, what are the things that you should address as a business owner in order when it comes to your brand? What is important and what can you do uh, as a young company starting out? I, again, I think the most important thing is understand your purpose. Yeah. What's your why? What are you trying to accomplish? And um, be really true to that. Um, we talk about at our company, you know, we created the agency for the pursuit of happiness is our mission. Um, and we talk about that because we're really trying to do marketing for um, clients who we think we can make a big impact on and attract talent who can find their edge, right? And um, the pursuit of happiness is what I would call the, the infinite game. You know, Simon Sinek talks about the infinite game. Um, and it's not just win or lose. It's always about constantly getting better. Um, so if, if I'm a young company or I'm a mature company or I'm a company who's doing 20 million, I want to do 100 million, I would say, first off, the first question I ask them is, what's your purpose? What's your mission and vision? And then, you know, what, what are your core values and how can you drive that? Because most companies make the mistake of solely focusing on a revenue goal. Um, you know, I want to hit this number. And if you have a purpose and a, a set of values that you live by, those numbers will come. And so we really kind of flip the value proposition to say, don't just focus on the how and the what, look at why you're doing what you're doing and, the, and then the, the numbers will, will come from that. So to me, that's the number one thing strategically yeah. that you need to do is define that and then share it and stand for it and prove it every single day. And then you'll see the revenue exponentially grow and we've done this over and over again with various companies does companies have a fear when you present this going away from numbers and getting into purpose you know i have not had one company have a fear around this and i've done it with large companies uh, you know i um i worked for two companies that were as i mentioned two mortgage companies who were very successful companies. They were, you know, one was doing $8 billion a year in loan production, and the other one was doing 15 billion. Today, both those companies have doubled, tripled, or quadrupled in size. Yeah. Um, when we built their strategic plans, it started with the core values and then, you know, and then creating metrics around that and aligning your performance evaluations, your compensation, and everything has to line up. So it, it isn't just, hey, have some core values and hope you hit them. You still have to have 
metrics and tie objectives to those metrics, right? So if my core value is people matter, how am I measuring that, right? And if my second core value is um, rock solid service, well, how am I measuring that? Am I driving referral business? Are my customers shouting me out online? So you ha- you still have numbers and metrics and tactics and plans underneath that, but it's all got to ladder up to that bigger north star, um, and and it it really begins from from the inside out. I love that. I was just thinking uh, about a book that I finished, and if we're going to the entertainment this industry and talk about Matthew McConaughey. Uh, he just released a book called Green Lights. And uh, it's interesting because there's there's one, one thing that he says there that I've reflected and meditated on for a while. Uh, and it's uh, less impressed, more involved. And uh, for me, and I'm, I, I wanna get your take from, a, from your background and experience and I, I think when you reach a certain level of success, uh, a lot of companies or individuals start, uh, you know, focusing on being impressed with themselves or and what they're doing, getting away from the core of being involved and 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 caring. Uh, so, so what's your take on that uh, from a business perspective? Yeah, I, it's such a great question, and you know, we're a young company, so. Um, as you know, I always say that the cobbler's children has no shoes, right? I've got to apply my own medicine to my own company. Um, and so it's easy to start, you know, you start chasing certain things and then you have to pause for a moment and go, wait, is that aligned with what our core purpose is (laughs) and our core values? Wait, we got to recalibrate a little bit, you know? So I think, um, I think it is important to, um, make sure that when you articulate what you stand for, that you have moments to be able to measure that success and keep yourself um, in 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 kind of in line with that, um, and and recognize that you're gonna make mistakes, right? You're gonna have I, I make mistakes. I'm not perfect, right? Um, but if you're playing the infinite game, there's always room to get better. Right. It's not win or lose, even though competition is in one of my top five strengths. I love winning. Um, in fact, I love winning so much that my kids don't like to play games with me because I'm like, I am the queen of Monopoly, you know. Um, the question, but, you love winning. Sorry that I'm interrupting you, but do you hate losing? I do. I hate losing. Right. Okay. And that's why I was really good as a pitcher in the agency world, because I really loved the, I loved winning. Yeah. I had to adjust my style when I opened my own company because it isn't just, I'm not, this is not a win or lose game. Yeah. I'm in it for the long haul, right? If I was in the win or lose game, then, you know, we're going to, we're going to win and it's game over. No, this is a long game, right? This is the infinite game. And so pursuit of happiness, you know, it's, um, Happiness is is not a destination. Happiness is the way, right? That's what Buddha said. Yeah. Right. And so we have to find the way. And in the infinite game, it's about constantly getting better, learning, and making mistakes, and acknowledging it. Even you know, I make mistakes um, all day long. I'm sure. I'm sure my team will tell you I make mistakes, but that's okay, right? We're human. Um, and so I, my advice to other leaders is, you know, know what you're striving for, make sure you articulate it, make sure you create an environment 
where you can um, nurture that and then have moments where you have feedback and can refine it, you know, have one-on-ones, have daily huddles, make sure you are talking to your team to constantly get better and ask them what obstacles are in your way to be able to be successful, right? And that's, that's how you constantly get better and perform. Let's talk about losing and, and uh, why do you hate losing and how do you, how do you, how do you act when you lose? Well, I haven't lost in one. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, you know, look, you know, I, I say I love winning and I hate losing. Um, I, I will say it was definitely in the agency world. It was hard to lose because you were, you were making massive investments in, you know, high stakes pitching, you know, you're, you're pitching a $2 million pitch and it's win or lose. Right. And the reason I mentioned that article was they would say, you know, um, CMOs, the life of a CMO is 24 months or less. Right. So you better deliver revenue or you're going to be gone. And so human nature is I want to be successful and I want to prove my value. And so, you know, there's a drive toward high performance and success. So so what's your question about losing? I don't know. I don't like losing. <laughs> Yeah, let's <laughs> let's talk more about that. Um, it's how do you handle it? Like what what's uh, let's talk about something that you didn't get and how did you act in that yeah. moment? Well, you know, I would say this. I think there's lessons in losing. There's lessons in mistakes. Um, so I always try to learn from that um, and make sure that I can improve upon myself or that idea or that moment in time um, and use that as a gift to be better the next time so that we win next time, right? And um, so, you know, is losing great? No, but learning is awesome, right? So if we look at it as a learning moment, then it makes us better. I mean, and that's how I dealt with it. Huh? <laughs> it sucks. Let me let me share a story from my life and see how uh, what your thoughts are on that. So, 2011, in uh, I was a world medalist in karate, national champion eight times, and I I was competing 2011 in the national championships in karate uh, back in Sweden. I used to be a champion. I was supposed to win. That day, I lost. Uh, I didn't even medal. I lost big to one of my best friends in front of everyone that I knew. And I also saw a lot of people around me that they were actually happy that that happened. So it sucked in many, many ways, right? And and for the first time in my life, I also made a decision at that time. And that was to not have any excuses, even though they were easy. I could easily find a lot of excuses why I didn't get the results that I wanted that day. But I, I decided to, you know, shut up. And uh, something happened with me that day and that following year. It was a burning desire to become better, to learn more, to work harder. And one year later, I did become a world medalist. And I'm almost 100% certain that that wouldn't have happened if I did not experience this 
mm-hmm. hard moment in my career, uh, so to speak, being humiliated, being you know losing in front of everybody when you're supposed to win, and and kind of challenging everything you believe in. And uh, I think the burning desire was one thing that made me become better, but also going back to the roots and my why. Why did I love karate so much? What I, I had lost that because it was all about winning instead of talking about the real thing, which is the passion. Why do you do things? Like, why mm-hmm. is it fun? We, we, we have a certain amount of time in our life. And if you're fighting battles and competing in a, in a field you don't even want to win, I mean, what's the point? Uh, So I just wanted to share that with you and see what what your take on that is. And and maybe you have some example from your own life. And I appreciate you sharing that. I I can imagine what that felt like, you know, and um, those those are defining moments. I'll share with you um, probably the greatest loss I had in my life was I lost my husband and I had small children around 2010. And, um, you know, I was living in, I was in Connecticut at the time and I had a big job and I had small children at home. Um, I think my youngest at the time was three. And, um, you know, I, I found strength and realized that I could put my head in the sand and sulk and, you know, say, woe is me and what am I going to do? Um, but I had these kids, you know, and I, I knew that I needed to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And that if I didn't do that, that I wasn't going to teach my kids how to move forward and that life is very special. And um, my late husband was a, a really amazing human being and that we would not be moving his legacy forward if I didn't keep going. Right. And so for me, I learned so much from that experience. In fact, I look back and I don't even know how I got through it um, because I wasn't prepared and um, I had, you know, a lot to, a lot of responsibility. Um, But coming out of that, I feel so blessed from that experience because Um, that lesson of that loss taught me the strength that you can find from within and that no, you know, no matter how high the mountain is, you have to climb or how large the challenge is. And I think it kind of goes back to the question you asked me originally when it's, I have you, how do you, how do you manage everything? Um, one step at a time. And, um, you have, people have strength within greater strengths than they realize. And I think you probably understand that as an athlete. I think athletes get that. Um, But the the human being is incredible. I mean, it's just, it's an amazing uh, creature. And we have incredible powers that we have to unleash. And, you know, and, and allow ourselves to unearth those from you know, it's like my theme, the inside out, right? And um, and when you do that, the 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 potential for where you go is limitless, limitless. So no matter how how big a loss, no matter how huge the challenge, there's strength in every individual to be able to conquer it and beat it and and have you know almost. 
um, up yourself and up your game every step of the way. And that to me is the greatest lesson I've ever learned from loss. And I don't think I'd be where I am today had I not had that loss, had I not had that challenge in front of me to provide for my children, um, you know, face very difficult decisions financially, professionally, um, as a parent, and um, and then you know lead teams and and end up where I am today. So I'm grateful for that, and I think anybody who has a challenge like that, um, you're going to have them. That's life, right? Life presents these different um, mountains that you have to climb, and it's because you can you can climb them. You just have to know who you are and allow yourself to uh, put take on the challenge. And so I think, you know, that lesson has um, permeated every part of my life because I didn't want my kids not to learn strength and perseverance, right? And I don't want people I work with not to realize they have huge potential, right? And it's up to me to unearth that and clients, right? I work with businesses who say, I can't grow my business. Well, why not? There's, you've got these brilliant humans yeah. that are on your team and we just need to give them a North star to rally around. Let's, if you don't have core values, let's write the core values. We took one company from bankruptcy to a $1.5 billion sale in 18 months. Wow. Why? Because we help them articulate core values and get their people to rally around this North star. So they knew what their purpose was each day. So it's like you, you know, with your, with your competition. Yeah. Right. Barbara, thank you so much for sharing this and being so vulnerable with us here today. Uh, we really appreciate that. And uh, I want to continue because now we're taking off the layers of on uh, and, and getting a little bit closer, which I really appreciate. And that's, that's what, what I want to do because it's authentic, it's real. And it's you. So a question to you in regards to your pursuit of happiness and how do you, how do you, how do you learn to love again when something like this happens? Uh, because I know there's a lot of people that out there there have lost and uh, are losing people that they love. And, and, you know, uh, you managed to find a strength, which is incredible. And I think we have a lot to learn from that. So, so please, if you would, wouldn't mind, we would appreciate you sharing even a little bit more. Sure. Uh, well, I, I can say I'm, I'm happily remarried. Um, and so I found love again and um, he's an amazing human being. And um, I think that's, you know, I think when I first experienced loss, um, you know, you think, oh, well, I can't have what I had before, <laughs> or I can't achieve that because I didn't, or it ended, right? It, it was like an opera. It was dramatic and there was an ending. Um, but there's new chapters. And so you have to pay homage to your past um, to fuel your future. So I always say recognize, you know, what, what lessons you learned, what experiences you have, and carry those forward into new, into creating new experiences. Um, and whether it's, you know, on an individual level in your life, in your family life or in a relationship, 
or it's in your professional life where you've experienced a loss or you've had um, an upset in your business, um, there are lessons and experiences there that are going to springboard into something new and wonderful. And so um, you, you just have to, to take a look at it from that perspective. You know, right now in the world, we're going through very difficult times. I mean, you know, we've got people who are, are uh, losing loved ones, you know, to COVID, right? And, um, but there's, there's other wonderful things that are happening in this world that we're living in right now. People are reuniting at home and they're um, creating new traditions and new experiences and new family moments, um, new ways of working, right? In a virtual world, how do you create culture and scale your company culturally um, so that your culture ultimately should drive your revenue. So I think um, in these difficult times, that's how you are able to kind of maximize the moment and look forward. Yeah. And, and speaking of uh, scaling your company in a virtual environment, uh, for people here that are listening about listening right now and are curious, like, how do you do that? Well, it takes a lot of effort. <laughs> it, you have to be um, very um, structured around it um, because you don't have those moments anymore of, you know, um, congregating in the kitchen over lunch or having a stop and chat at somebody's desk. It's a lot harder to have those moments. Um, yeah. So we tried to, you know, culture is really important to us. Um, and so we uh, create virtual team builds or we do things like coffee roulette. So um, our team gets together and we pair up individuals. We do strength finders. So we know everybody's strengths. And then we'll say, oh, you know, I have, you know, I told you I have competition in my top five strengths. And so does um, Rachel and Amanda on my team. So we might get together one morning and we talk about our strengths and then we learn something about each other and then we share it back with the rest of the team. Um, you have to take those moments to, to really nurture the relationships because it can't just be all business. Um, obviously we're running businesses, but um, there's, there's wonderful ways to continue to create that magic. And then we've had to get really specific about, you know, um, not, bleeding too far into people's after work hours. I think that's been tough. Um, I know it's been tough on our team where, you know, it's, I get up in the morning and I'm on Zooms all day and Zooms are draining, Yeah. you know? Um, so sometimes, you know, we'll say, just do a standing meeting and make it 10 minutes because if you're standing, you're going to end it probably. Um, yeah. Or get off Zoom, do it on a phone and do a walk and talk. And so we try to find new ways to interact and create those moments because we're in a very collaborative business in the advertising and marketing world. We're ideating all the time. Um, and so we have to find these ways to create, you know, these magical moments with our people um, so that we don't lose it, lose culture. And then onboarding them too. We're, we're growing so fast. We've hired, I don't know, 10 or 15 people in the last month. Wow. Uh, that's really hard for companies right now is to bring on new people and teach them your culture. So we, so we create, you know, special moments to do that. Yeah, that's great. I think, I think it's a challenge. And I mean, I'm a person, I, I'm an in-person person, so to speak. Yeah. I even did like my 
this is, I, I had a, my statement was I'm not going to do anything virtual. That was my statement for my first 172 or three episodes. And then I was like, fuck, what do I do? Do I just stop or do I continue? And it's been a blessing because now I can travel around the world virtually and, and, and go into people's minds that I couldn't have met either way, but it's harder to connect this way, isn't it? Oh oh my gosh. It's so much harder. It's so much harder, but you know, there's also wonderful things about it. Like, you know, I don't know where you are, but I'm checking it out behind you. And you know, you learn something about somebody that maybe you wouldn't have known. Um, it's fun. You know, you see dogs, dogs coming in and kids and, you know, so the permissions of what's going on around you have changed, but yeah, it's definitely, it's challenging, you know, but I think it's something that um, isn't going to go away. I think, you know, I'm looking at it and we're, we're, uh, you know, hiring a lot of um, talent and um, we're not going to limit ourselves to a certain geography. Why? Yeah. I don't need to. I can go find talent anywhere in the world. Why not? You Which know, we've got tools now. We're we're structured to be able to handle it. So I think those are kind of the cool things that came out of it. But you're right. It's definitely not the same as sitting right by each other. Yeah. We do wall walks, you know, and <laughs> post things around. Um, yeah. That gets challenging. Yeah, and I think we'll we'll all learn and evolve, and and it will be better. I'm curious. I'm not going to take too much of your valuable time, but I'm curious about your goal setting strategy. How are you working with goals? Do you write them down, and or and and what's the process? Well, um, what what I do is I I start with the core values of you know my company or clients we work with, and we set. Um, you know, kind of uh, aspirational goals around what we want to achieve. It needs to be aspirational. If it's not aspirational and it's too tactical, um, you're not going to inspire your people to be innovative and ideate around it. Um, But then you have to support it with real metrics, right? So if um, let's just say, you know, you want to become um, you know, the, the, the greatest um, champion of your target audience. Um, yeah. You better have real metrics to measure that. And then as you build them out, revenue has to be there. You always have to have a revenue goal, but yeah. you want those, um, you know, some people would say, well, there's soft goals, you know, a people goal. Well, I say, no, a people goal is probably your most important goal, right? Yeah. People have to be thriving in your environment want to align with your leadership and want to come to work every day. And so it forces you as the leader to make sure that you're creating an environment that allows your people to be successful and, and in turn deliver great product or service or experience um, to your customers. So um, make it aspirational, but make it measurable and then track it and refine it as you go through it. Because um, you're not, you know, we, we live in a world where you can, you have enough data to be able to measure success and refine it. So it's okay if you're not hitting it because most media, um, most everything can be tracked today, um, from consumer sentiment to, um, interacting with the social post and knowing that when they interacted that social post, they then became our client or they bought that product. We know all that data. So use data 
to make good informed decisions and set your goals that way. Love that. And a final question for you, Barbara, is what what do you want people that are still here with us an hour in, which is amazing in this new environment and world where most people have an attention span like a goldfish. Uh, so thank you guys for be still being here. This has been um, an amazing conversation and I really appreciate you, Barbara. Uh, we, we want the people out there to take action now. What's the first step for them to get a little bit closer on their dreams? To get closer on their dreams, I would say um, know what you're dreaming for first, set that goal, and then stand for it and go go get it. You know, stand for something, go prove it, and invite other people to join you and and you know approach it like it's a cause that you're creating a movement, and people want to be part of that. So I that to me is what I would say. I love that. And when fear creeps in, what do you do? When fear creeps in, let it fuel your fire. <laughs> right? Awesome. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, we're we're all going to have fears. And if you're listening to this and it's scary, uh, I mean, if it's not scary, it's not big enough. It's, if it's not it's, scary, yeah, you're being way too tame. Make it scary. Make it audacious. Yeah. Right? Make it big. Make it so big. You're, you said at the beginning of the show, you're going to hit 10 million. What'd you say at the beginning? I want to help 10 million people in 10 years to go after their dreams. Yeah. Right. That's amazing. Um, so one person at a time. Yeah. Right. And you're going to get there. And so make it big. Go for it. If you're too tame, you're going to be bored. Yeah. It's not fun. Go big or go home. <laughs> Barbara Yoles, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. If people want to connect with you or are interested in your company, where's the best way to find you? Uh, uh, well, check us out, ludwigplus.com, uh, Ludwig, L-U-D-W-I-G-P-L-U-S.com, or email me directly, barbara at ludwigplus.com. Yeah. Thanks so much. This was fun. Awesome. And thank you guys that are still here and we appreciate you. As I told you in the beginning, it's one, one person at a time, but I, I want to hit my goal and I need your help. So please give us a review, share this with somebody that needs to hear this message. Check us out at ilovesuccess.co. You have more than 200 amazing episodes. Uh, we're also giving away a couple of free chapters of my book. So there's there's no excuse to not taking action. And all of this is free. Isn't that crazy? Uh, but it's not free. You got to invest your time and you got to take it seriously enough and, and realize that nothing's going to change unless you are taking the steps, taking the movement and move forward. That's it. Um, I'm done. Uh, Barbara's done. We are heading... Uh, to something else. And I'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care.